Welcome to Adequate Yearly Progress, Episode 8. My name is Erin Sterling, and I'm the librarian at Eckstein Middle School in Seattle, Washington. Every episode, I interview a different teacher and find out why they became a teacher, and what they like about it, and what they don't like about it. In this episode, I interview Sam Huckabee, who also used to work with me at Eckstein Middle School and now teaches special ed at Jane Addams Middle School in Seattle. Sam is one of those compassionate, super organized, and confident teachers who forges strong relationships with students. Listen to her talk about how she transitioned from teaching theater to special ed, how she deals with the sometimes frustrating bureaucracy that education and special ed in particular can be, and her future aspirations. All right, let's go. Hi, Sam. I'm glad you're on my show. For everyone listening, this is Sam Huckabee. She is a special ed teacher at Jane Addams Middle School in Seattle, Washington, and used to work at Eckstein Middle School where where I teach. So Sam, can you tell me about yourself and why you became a teacher? Uh, Sure. Um, I don't really know why I became a teacher. Um, I guess it was something that I always knew I could do and had thought about doing it while I was in school. Then I kind of veered away from it and actually was a theater major in school. And came back um, years later and did a program that had a dual theater teaching and English. Okay. So then that was my graduate program and then kind of came back a while later and did the uh, special ed certificate on top of that and came back into special ed. So it was sort of a roundabout process, but it was not, uh, not where I thought I'd be, but it's where I needed to be. Right. So what made you decide to do, to kind of focus on special ed rather than theater? Um, I guess... If I had looked really hard at my life, I should have known earlier on that I should have been in special ed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the when I was 10 years old, they had the – it was a brand new elementary school, so they had the whole wing for um, the more severely disabled students. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And you could volunteer your lunch to go and walk with these students on the playground, mm-hmm. walk their wheelchairs around, mm-hmm. or go play with them or anything. And I thought it was something cool to do, so – once or twice a week, I would give up my lunch recess, which is you know, the big half-hour recess. Right, yeah, it's huge. <laughs> um, so I'd give it up about tw- once or twice a week and go work with these kids, and I loved it. And then went on through high school and everything and then uh-huh. ended up moving to Pennsylvania when I was in high school and had one of the best um, special ed programs in the country what wow. in that school and i didn't know it at the time that was at your high school that was my, at my mm-hmm. high school in pennsylvania and uh it was a phenomenal program that really worked on getting um those those 18 to 21 year old kids mm-hmm. how to learn how to um live in an apartment by themselves uh right. they, they had a, a coach there that would live with them and they would kind of oh. work on that and i helped them on the classroom side of things i volunteered for a while uh-huh. and then after college, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Right. So I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll do this AmeriCorps thing. This sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. And ended up back at my old high school again, teaching in the special ed program. Oh, that's so I was working cool. again with those 18 to 21-year-old kids, uh-huh. um, sort of as a job training program. They had a student store within the building that the regular business ed kids were running. And these kids would come up, and they would learn things like, stocking the shelves or cleaning the store or waiting mm-hmm. on customers and a few of them who were a little bit more advanced would might actually run the register but that was sort of like usually their second year mm-hmm. they were into it and um it was an amazing experience working with these kids and, and really showing that just helping job coaching them and then they could go out and work in the local Safeway or whatever mm-hmm. uh, later on and so then I kind of moved away from it for a few years and just went back and I said I knew I wanted to teach 
but I thought I was just going to be an English teacher. And I did that until I got into my first teaching job. And they said, well, we don't really have an English job position, but we have a, a self-contained English position. So you'd just be teaching English for these self-contained students. Okay. And I'm like, well, I'm not special ed certified. I'm like, oh, that doesn't matter if you're within your content. <laughs> I was like, I didn't know at the time that that's probably shady, but I'm like, I need a job. Okay, right. <laughs> I'll take whatever. It's I always liken it to, um, because I was in New York City at this point. I was out in the Bronx. I always thought I was sort of the modern version of uh, Welcome Back, Cotter. <laughs> so it was like, 30 years ago, this class would have been remedial English. Yeah. Now it was uh, self-contained special education. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was a pretty cool experience for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. I taught there for two years before I came back, then taught Jen Ed again. Uh -huh. And I was like, then I just got frustrated because I was like, these kids can and are choosing not to. Right. Then I got angry. <laughs> so I'm like, <laughs> okay. So then the um, economy crashed and I ended up going back to grad school and okay. getting my endorsement in special ed, which is something I knew I was going to do all along. Uh -huh. but financially, just all of a sudden, I had to do it because I didn't have a job anymore. Right. So. And what led you from New York to Seattle then? I grew up here. Um, I, my mom was back here um, living in New York City on a single teacher's salary with <laughs> uh, student loan debt from NYU was... Yeah. Tough. Mm -hmm. I, I was keeping my head above water, but I was never making any progress. So I, I needed to move out of the city. And with my mom and my grandma being here, it just made sense to come back home. So were you finishing, like, was was there a job in particular that you felt like you could finish? Or it was just like, I'm going to move out at I, the end I, of one year? I was there for two years. And I basically said at the end of that second year, I was leaving. My boss okay. said he understood and everything. Came out here without a job. Okay. Um, got a job at in October of that year up at... Okay. Uh, uh, Mariner High School up in Everett. Oh. I taught there for two I years. So, yeah. Cool. And then went from Mariner to Eckstein. With a year off in there for my endorsement. Okay. And then on to, on to Jane, Jane Adams, Adams, which is new this year. Yes. Um, so can you tell me what's rewarding about being a teacher? Um, and it sounds cliche to say it, but it's that moment where the kid gets it. Mm -hmm. um, it's It's... There's so much other stuff that teachers have to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis that I have to keep remembering that that's what makes it worthwhile. Um, and it's especially hard teaching the level of students I do because I teach right. the self-contained kids who can't operate in a general ed class. They need to have mm -hmm. a very modified curriculum because they really have a lot of learning struggles. So those moments, those breakthrough moments that they finally get it are mm -hmm. so few and far between, but they're so worth it. And that's what keeps me going. Right. Um, and on the flip side, what is frustrating for you? Trying to make sense of what the district wants you to do, the national standards mm -hmm. want, and all that kind of stuff, and, and look at that in terms of special ed. Because if right. the typical stuff worked for these kids, they wouldn't be in special ed. Right. So I'm here, so they're saying, well, your goals need to be aligned with the Common Core standards. I'm like, my kids are at second grade level. Mm-hmm. How am I going to grade them on the sixth grade level standard? It doesn't right. make any sense. And so it gets really frustrating having that constant battle of, of trying to modify everything down. Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. if they're basically, basically starting to read, how do you talk about their you know, themes and comprehension at, at a sixth grade level? Right. And that's sort of the expectation. Yeah. It's that they should be performing at a sixth grade level, but you have to modify things. Yeah. And, but to modify it so much, there's... I, I've been working with the uh, sixth grade humanities group at our school who are mm -hmm. wonderful people and they've been really great about letting me get involved in stuff. And they're just talking about, oh, we're going to do this unit. I'm like, okay, that's great. That's going to take me three to four months. And they're like, mm -hmm. oh, we'll be done next week. I'm like, okay. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Go on your merry way. I'm going to still be stuck on this one, one area of uh, 
uh, instruction for quite a while. Right, right. Um, was there anything that surprised you when you first started teaching? Or maybe that continues to surprise you. Um, the bureaucracy, all the, the, yes. the paperwork, the how teaching is actually the last thing I get to do. The, mm. It's the time. It's the planning for the teaching is the bottom of the list. Mm-hmm. It's everything else gets to, has to get done first because I have to justify my job all the time. I have to run all these meetings. I have to go to all these meetings. I have to mm-hmm. go to district level meetings, and it just all that kind of stuff takes up so much time that here I am, you know, at nine o'clock on a Sunday night doing all my lesson planning right. because that's right. the only time I have to do it. So it gets a little frustrating. And and um, when I was in New York, I even got two prep periods. We had an eight period day, mm-hmm. and two of them were prep periods. And I still was struggling to get all that stuff done. I mean, granted, right. I'm more efficient now in my lesson planning because I've got several years under my belt, but yeah. it makes a big difference. It, 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 just having that time to actually do the teaching is, is so far down on the list. Yeah. And do you think that's particularly unique to special ed? And I ask that because I respect special ed teachers so much, and there's just so much go into, like, IEP meetings. And now you're the, you're the department head, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So, um, well, and was at Eckstein. Um, so do you, but do you feel that that's unique to special ed? I think it's worse. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know that I'm, I'm the department heads at my school. I'll have uh, a meeting every other week. Uh-huh. So I know all my, you know, other grade level or other uh, content area colleagues have the same uh, expectations. They still have the district meetings and stuff they have to go to. Um, being department head definitely adds another layer to that. Because mm-hmm. like this week I have to run a department meeting right. for all my departments. So I have to have an agenda that I have to submit early. And so it's, Right. There is another level to it, but and then the IEP meetings definitely are a whole other level of scheduling and all that kind of stuff. Getting getting parents in, getting all the teachers to come, so there it it makes it worse. But I think it's I, I had to deal with it when I was doing gen ed work as well, mm-hmm. um, not quite to the same extreme. But I guess the trade off is now I don't have to grade ninety essays in a weekend. <laughs> True, so, <laughs> don't miss that part very much. <laughs> um. And were there any other things that were early challenges for you? And maybe more on the kind of teaching side of things mm-hmm. rather rather than the bureaucracy. Sure. Although it could be both, but since you've mentioned um, that And maybe part this, a this bit. is a, maybe the New York School District. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of a big behemoth of a district. Um, <laughs> there was definitely a lack of support. Mm. Uh, I was pretty much thrown in my classroom with no curriculum, um, oh 15 kids, uh, I did not know how to access their IEPs. Mm-hmm. I don't think I figured that out until second semester. Huh. Um, we had no computerized system. We didn't even have email until my second year of teaching. Don't. And this, this is we're not talking about long ago. This is two thousand three. So what? <laughs> yeah, um, it was a little bit backwards. Um, but I was basically just thrown in the classroom and said, yeah. "Here, go to have fun. Go teach mm-hmm. your kids. Make them brilliant." Right. And uh, yeah, that was rough. And so I ended up. Uh, actively seeking out veteran teachers and saying, mm-hmm. I need help. What can you, what do you have? What can you do? So there's a lot of resource level room teachers who had, oh, I've used this when I taught that class before. I've used this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I, I was pulling stuff. I went out and bought a set of uh, Romeo and Juliet books, mm-hmm. the, the No Fear Shakespeare ones that have right, the, yep. mm-hmm. the English translation on one side and the regular Shakespeare on the other side. Um, so I went out and purchased that with my own money yeah. at, because my kids needed it. So mm-hmm. we, I had a classroom set. Fortunately, I only had 15 kids, so it wasn't a huge set, but... So that kind of stuff, it was just the support, the cur- curriculum, the materials. Um, and it's something that I found really pervasive through special ed mm-hmm. because they're like, oh, well, what's working at the general ed level doesn't work, so you have to make it up on your own. But right. 
it's no you, every kid is individual and every kid's unique but I've seen all these issues before. I see the same issues year after right. year, and I see the different new things. I, I still need a reading curriculum. I still right. need right. a math curriculum. I can modify off of that, but since I'm reinventing the wheel every year, that's what gets really frustrating. Right, yeah. I mean, there was a moment in my first year of teaching where one of my other colleagues, uh, she was teaching social studies. She was also a first-year teacher. She was coming from uh, Teach for America. Mm-hmm. So her, her training had been basically six weeks in the summertime. Right. Go, you know, then go into the classroom and... Expect to be able to do, you know, classroom management stuff. And so the principal happened to walk in and he was really good at walking in and they were non-punitive walkthroughs and he would take out a note card and write something on it. And you're like, oh crap. And then you go, (laughs) you get a little note on your um, time card in the morning. It says, see the principal before school. And And there's like you and like five other teachers are all lined up at his door and you walk in there and he just, and he he just would say, this is what I saw. I saw this. You need to wait, put a little more wait time on your questioning. Hmm. Um, This kid was sort of tuning out in the back, you know, what, how, what's your plan for getting him more engaged? It was Mm -hmm. really non-punitive. But this one particular time he happened to walk into my friend's classroom and the whole class was just crazy and he just sort of flipped out and realized that none of us new teachers really gotten the support in our Mm. in in our department the other individual departments were fine but within the special education department yeah there was nothing but then instead of getting support Mm -hmm. the mentor teacher that he assigned to this other woman brought her into my classroom oh as as if i was some sort of great teacher i had i was making as i was going along too right um, so I was like, this is not helping me any, this is helping her, but I don't know how, because I'm also a first year teacher. I've been doing this for six weeks. So. Right. So do you think there's, you've mentioned a few things, but is, do you think there's anything that administrators can do to support or it sounds like you had to seek that out yourself, mm-hmm. but what, what would be an ideal situation be to get the support? Um, Working ideally, within the realms that yeah, you have, I ideally guess. early on a department head or an administrator of some sort, just have a sit down and say, what do you need? How's it going? Just, you know, what are some of the challenges you've had? What are some things? Because it's, I'm sure that none of the situations that I came up against were unique to right. me. I, they've all happened to everyone before. I just didn't know what to do because I, I hadn't done it. But, you know, another veteran teacher in the school, a mentor teacher, a department head or something really could have helped me just right. figure out what next steps were. And keep me from thinking that I was the worst teacher on the face of the earth. Because you do. Your entire first year, you're like, oh my god, I'm not teaching these kids anything. This is horrible. So I think that there are a lot of things. And I, when I have a new teacher, I'm lucky right now, I don't have any new teachers. I have people who are new to the district. Oh, okay. So I'm teaching district stuff, just protocols and, right, and right. You know, where to mail your IAPs when they're done and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Um, but when I have new teachers, I really do work with them quite a bit to make sure that they you know, that their IEPs are good, that they have mm-hmm. the support that they need, that they just have a sounding board if they need that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I encourage them to go to the happy hour on a Friday afternoon, just right. vent. You know, that's sometimes all you need is just somebody, because we have a lot of new teachers in our building. Yes. Um, just yes. Fortunately, not in my department, but that I try to help. But need it. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they need that, that reassurance that they're not terrible people. They're, they're doing yeah. the best that they can with what they have. Yeah. So. And speaking of that, what what are moments that have made you feel like you're in the right place, doing the right thing at the right time. And it could be a specific thing or maybe just a more general sense that makes you feel like, yes, I'm a good teacher. They're hard to see. Um, I don't know that there's specific moments. Um, it's usually when I look back at mm-hmm. a student, because like I said, my, my students' development tends to be so incremental, just so small right. that you don't really see it. Um, I have a particular student now who 
last year at this point was melting down all the time, mm-hmm. throwing temper tantrums mm-hmm. and crying and everything. And this year he came back and he, you could see it welling up in him and he was about to lose it. Then he's like, no, I'm going to take a minute and calm down. And he Aww. just went over and sat down for a minute and then he was okay. And uh, that was huge growth. Yeah. That was something I had never seen. Um, his parent came in for the um, open house night. And mm-hmm. We were just talking for a few minutes. Nobody else in my classes had shown up. So we were just right. had a, 20 minutes to chat. And he even said that they've seen a major change in just in the, the less melting down. And I don't want to mm-hmm. take all the credit for it because they have right. the supports too. He's got other teachers. He's growing up. I mean, mm-hmm. transition. Yep. Sixth grade is a rough transition anyway, <laughs> and then seventh grade is a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But um, but he he thanked me right out there Aww. and said, you know, he, we've seen a huge difference, um, and we were so, so glad that you moved from Eckstein to Jane Adams with him. Right. And, and so it made a huge difference in, in where he's at. You know, he's not perfect. He still has right. his days where he melts down, <laughs> but he's better able to handle those kind of situations. So yeah. those, those are the moments that keep me going. Yeah. Are there any lesson plans that have not gone as planned and what do you do with it <laughs> i remember one my first year i i can't remember exactly what the lesson plan is mm-hmm. and i was going on through and i'm like this is a great lesson i have to <laughs> do now on the board and my teaching target and we're going through and then i looked up and all the kids were just sort of glazed over <laughs> and i started asking questions and there were like questions that were totally off base not just right. clarifying questions like, i was like wait you really aren't getting this <laughs> What did I do wrong? And I just right there in the middle of the lesson, I said, okay, guys, we're going to stop this lesson. Mm-hmm. We're going to throw this one out. We're going to do some reading now. And we're just yeah. going to come back to this tomorrow when I have a chance to kind of figure out what to do. The kids all looked at me like, you can like, do that? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. You, you just admitted to all of us that you did something wrong? It was like, that was kind of cool. Yeah. So it was, it was sort of a, a mind-blowing moment for some of my, these kids, these teenagers who, you know, and a lot of teachers right. will go through and just be like, oh, no, everything's fine. It's your fault. And I'm like, no, no, that was totally me. Yeah. All yeah. on me. So. Um, I think that's a really good moment. kind of leads into my next question because I'm also thinking of people who are interested in teaching, who are either, maybe they're in the program now, or maybe are thinking of switching careers, or maybe they're in college. What advice would you have for them? Um, well, if they're in a program right now, it has a lot to do with your uh, student teaching placement. Mm-hmm. I was lucky in one of my student teaching placements, mm-hmm. um, and then not as lucky in the other. Mm-hmm. So it gave was me that because you had special ed. So that, the that. Fir- the I I've actually had three student teaching placements because it was, the first program I was in was a uh, drama K twelve program, and right. then the second one was a English seven twelve program. Okay. So I had to do an elementary school placement for the drama. Yeah. And I ended up basically just being a gopher. Mm-hmm. Oh, go make these photocopies. Oh, go do that. And then when I actually needed to do a lesson, um, it was a drama lesson, he brought an outside drama group in oh. and gave them my lesson plan that I was going to be observed on. Oh. Yeah. It, the whole thing just sort of fell apart. It became really antagonistic. It was not a good placement. But he was he was good in control of his classroom, but he was definitely an old school teacher who was not willing to let give, give any control over to anybody else. My second placement was a younger English teacher who had a lot of um, charisma. She was a lot of fun. She she was was tough, but at the same time got to know all the kids as people, and sure. and so she was a really good role model. My um, supervisor for that placement also was fantastic. He'd been a teacher in New York City for 25 years and had retired and was doing the the supervising was kind of just a on the side gig, um, and he gave me some really really great feedback too. So it's 
your, your student placement, teaching placement, and even your program is, you really get out of it what you put into it. Uh-huh. Um, if you want to just kind of half-ass it all the way through and just yeah. sort of not do much, you're not going to be prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, if you work your butt off, if you're there when the teacher gets there in the morning and you're there yeah. until the teacher leaves in the evening, you know, obviously classes sometimes get in the way of that. I understand right, right, that. Right, but but. <laughs> if you're putting the time in, it, you can um, really get a lot out of it and be much more better prepared f- than a person who is not doing putting in the work. Right. So have you had any student teachers? I've actually had four. Oh, wow. Um, I had three last year alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, two were more just observers and came in and basically helped out with the classes and taught a lesson each, mm-hmm. and then were gone. They were just there for one quarter. The other woman was split between um, a gen ed teacher and myself, so he, mm-hmm. she went to him in the morning and then was with me in the afternoon. And then three years ago, I had a young woman who she was she was doing the gen ed part too but that was definitely secondary mm-hmm. um she really wanted to be with the special ed kids and mm-hmm. was there first thing in the morning and was there late and mm-hmm. came back in and did extra stuff afterwards and mm-hmm. came as much as she could and the difference between that student teacher who um put in the extra time mm-hmm. she got a job right away she was right. sought after very quickly versus the other woman who had a harder time finding a job. I don't, yeah. honestly don't know what happened to her. She, right, she, right. It was a huge difference because she wasn't as prepared. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about leaving teaching or pursuing another type of career? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm probably nearing the end of my uh, in-school teaching career. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at going back and possibly getting my PhD to cool. teach at the collegiate level. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I had supervisors when I was going through my first teaching program uh, a woman, lovely woman. She knew her stuff in terms of the theater part of it, but she'd actually never been a classroom teacher, and she was advising me on how to be a classroom teacher. And I had no respect for her. So then when I had the 25-year veteran teacher guy, I listened to him because he knew what he was talking about. So I always vowed that if I did it, I was going to teach for at least 8 to 10 years yeah. before I even thought about it. Well, this is year 9. So <laughs> I'm starting to think about it. I, I'm not sure what that's going to look like. Um, the other option besides teaching uh, at a college level would be to look at um, working in a district at the district level to help right. fix the system. I mean, mm-hmm. we're in a very broken system. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, teaching in a lot of ways is broken across the country, but there are better places than others, and mm-hmm. we just happen to be in a place that's definitely going through some struggles right now in terms yeah. of special ed. So, like, coaching or more like um, administration um, or, or district... On- it depends. Okay. Uh, I, I could do either. Um, I, I would really like. I really want to look at studying um, what is making teachers burn out. Mm-hmm. At that, yep. this, there's 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 a group that burns out at around two years. Yeah, and then there's another group that burns out at that five to eight year right. mark. And it's becoming more and more prevalent that most people don't get much past eight to ten years anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to be another one of those statistics, but <laughs> that like, <laughs> kind of looks like the way it might be going. Um, but we need to, to support our teachers. I mean, mm-hmm. oftentimes teachers are vilified and everything's our fault. And it's just like, you know, what? how can we make this better? Right. Even we, I can't change you know, the world's perception of teachers, but even right. within within a system, how do we help support our teachers so they don't feel like they're going to get you know burnt out right. by the time they get to We're kind of like eight. ever more things being added onto the exactly. plate. Exactly. I think it's sometimes Nothing's what ever taken off. ends up feeling like... Um, so I think that's spot on. Yeah. And so, so if I support that either by doing coaching mm-hmm. or working at a district level to um, 
kind of help put those supports in place mm-hmm. um, or, or support the teachers in whatever whatever way they need to. Right. Are there any students or particular classes that stand out in your mind? Obviously, no names needed. Mm-hmm. I had a pretty special group my first year at Eckstein. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a brand new program, which is why I had been hired for this position. So they never really had, had a self-contained classroom. Mm-hmm. So I had a lot of sixth graders that year. Mm-hmm. And there was this, this certain group who, that I got to have them sixth grade, seventh grade, eighth grade. They're now sophomores. Mm-hmm. Um, I am still in touch with every single one of them. Um, many of them are at, at Nathan Hale, which is, you know, is right across the street from Jane Adams. Right. So they just decide to stop by sometimes and Aww. come over and see me. Um, even the one couple students that I've had down at Roosevelt uh, have... I've run into them mm-hmm. uh, at soccer games or whatever, and the first right. day they, they always come up back and say hi to me. I'm still friends with their parents. It was this, this really special group of kids for whatever reason mm-hmm. just sort of happened. Um, and then, you know, they've got now starting their sophomore year. And yeah. They keep, I get emails from them and everything. So it's pretty, it's pretty amazing, that, yeah. that, that group. I'm still in touch with a few of the students I taught my very first year of teaching. They, wow, they in found, New York. found me at Facebook years later. Aww. And, uh, and, and I, was, I was very clear. I always said, you know, you're welcome to add me on Facebook once you graduated. From yes, <laughs> yes. And, and I will, I will uh, you know, share in your celebrations through your adulthood, <laughs> but until, until you've graduated. And because I was teaching high school, it wasn't actually that yeah. long. It was only, you know, three, yeah, two, yeah, three years later. Years. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, I still actually kind of in contact with a few of them back in, uh, in New York, which is kind of funny. Now they're in their cool. mid-20s and... Running right. around, am I still thinking I'm like 14, 15 years old? Yes, yes. <laughs> it's it's quite strange. amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on my show. You're very welcome. Thank you. That's the end of my show. Thanks for listening. You can find future episodes on adequateyearlyprogress.com, iTunes, and hopefully soon the Microsoft Podcast app. Thanks to the band Inspira's song, Follow the Waves, for the upbeat music you are dancing to right now. Thanks to freesound.org for the Creative Commons license for user S-B-Y-A-N-D-I-J-I's alarm bell sound, user Totia's Gia sound, and user Mental Sanity off for the background chatter sound. Thanks for listening and talk to you next on December 29th. Happy holidays.